0: Hello and welcome to our memcast. Today we've got Dr Charlie Parr with us. She's one of the acute medical registrars in the East Midlands. We're going to be talking a bit about anaphylaxis. Hi Charlie. Hello. Can you start by telling us a little bit about what is anaphylaxis?
1: Yes of course. So anaphylaxis is a severe life-threatening generalised hypersensitivity reactions. So it tends to be characterised by a selection, maybe not all of, symptoms that might include airway edema, respiratory compromise that might present bronchospasm, and circulatory collapse, which might look simply like hypotension, and there may or may not be skin or mucosal reactions. So you might have a rash, either urticarial or a more diffuse erythematous rash, or you might even get some bullae or this skin loss as well. Mm -hmm. And this can actually occur through either immunologically mediated or non immunologically mediated reactions. So you can get your very acute sudden onset type one hypersensitivity reaction, which often occurs in response to allergens such as foods or drugs and latex in particular whereas your non-immunological mechanisms are more to do with drugs and you get your histamine release. And this used to be known as anaphylactoid reaction, but actually you wouldn't be able to tell the difference clinically. So it doesn't make much difference when you're assessing the patients and this sort of terminology has gone out of fashion now. Mm
0: -hmm. So obviously anyone can get anaphylaxis. Is there anyone in particular that's more susceptible?
1: You certainly want to have an awareness of people who've had reactions before, or obviously people who are known to have anaphylaxis, and that may be into a known or an unknown trigger. Mm -hmm. It can be anything up to 1 in 1,500 people in England that will get anaphylaxis at some point in their lives, and actually we have about 20 deaths per year in the UK from anaphylaxis, half of which are iatrogenics.
0: And in terms of triggers for anaphylaxis, what are the most common causes? So for children, it actually tends to be more sort of food products. Adults, we
1: are more concerned about drugs. But again, venom uh, induced, so insect stings, bites, those are another common cause of the allergic reactions and anaphylaxis.
0: Mm -hmm. And we as medical medias tend to see patients coming in through recess or patients on the ward that have Mm -hmm. had anaphylactic reaction. How would you go about assessing somebody who presents with anaphylaxis?
1: So as with any sort of acutely unwell patient we would take an a to e approach and of particular importance in this we do have to think about airway compromise with laryngeal or airway edema which was at risk of causing asphyxiation from acute airway obstruction. So as we do not have comprehensive airway skills as medical registrars it's very important if there is any concern of tongue, lip, mucodal swelling to get anaesthetic involvement early on and not try to use airway adjuncts which can actually result in more sort of trauma or edema to the airway so the rest of your assessment continues with breathing assessment ensuring you've got high flow oxygen on board circulatory assessment so making sure you've got intravenous access and administering fluid challenge to maintain a blood pressure and neurologically you need to make sure that someone is remaining alert because certainly hypoxia or indeed airway compromise might result in a drowsiness and finally obviously exposure to look for that rash which may occur either simply of the mucosa including sort of the genital area or indeed a widespread sort of urticarial rash. Okay
0: so that's our A to E assessment of someone presenting and then in terms of management of anaphylaxis where do we go from there? So certainly when we suspect anaphylaxis,
1: that manifests with either bronchospasm, airway edema, skin changes, hypotension. The most important thing is the adrenaline, and that actually is what often gets missed when people aren't suspecting anaphylaxis or treat it as an allergic reaction rather than anaphylaxis. So this would be half a mil of one in 1,000 given IM, and this can be repeated every five minutes as well. As I mentioned, we would have intravenous access ideally in order to give hydrocortisone, either 100, 200 milligrams and chlorphenamine, which is a 10 milligram IV dose. But both of these can actually be given IM if you don't have intravenous access. So those are your mainstay of treatment. As I mentioned before, high flow oxygen is important as well. And the intravenous fluids as well to uh, support this sort of distributive shock where you've got the vasodilation and therefore you're getting hypotension from relative hypovolemia now that you've increased your intravascular space.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the ALS algorithm for yeah. adults. And if you go onto the Recess Council website, you can find the details about anaphylactic reaction in children and the doses of medications mm-hmm. required so what about differentials of anaphylaxis or what other things yeah. could, should we perhaps be thinking about so it
1: may be a more mild allergic reaction which may still present with some skin changes and potentially a bit of wheeze so certainly there are diagnostic criteria for anaphylaxis so dependent on whether or not the trigger is known or suspected and whether or not there are skin changes and the rest of it sort of the respiratory and the cardiovascular compromise but I think one of the common sort of diagnostic pitfalls is your angioedema and certainly angioedema which is your mucosal and um, your sort of interstitial edema. Now this on its own might be a self-limiting, mast cell mediated or an alternative mechanism and we'll talk a bit about that but it isn't diagnostic of anaphylaxis in its own even though it may be a component of it. So. You can get this mast cell mediated, i.e. allergic response which gives a simple isolated angioedema. And this similarly would be treated with your steroids and antihistamines, but doesn't require the adrenaline. The bradykinin mediated angioedema is what you tend to see more in response to drugs, and most commonly your ACE inhibitors and less commonly ARBs, as they are known to impair your bradykinin degradation. And this is quite a common presentation of angioedema to the emergency department and, in fact, can happen at any point in time within taking sort of ACE inhibitors. It's not necessarily as soon as you start them. So... In that case, for someone taking an ACE inhibitor who presents with angioedema, obviously you need to stop that ACE inhibitor. Mm -hmm. And actually antihistamines and steroids probably aren't going to have much effect there. But if the angioedema is rapidly developing, you may still use that as your treatment strategy in the initial stages. The other sort of less common cause is your hereditary and acquired C1 inhibitor deficiency which can cause angioedema as well and this again is is a bradykinin mediated mechanism and the investigation strategies you might want to do here involve complement testing the C4 would be low, and you can actually look at the C1 inhibitor protein as well, or the function of that. And to make a diagnosis here, those tests would need to be repeated at least a month apart. So less common, but we're thinking about if someone presents with what appears to be a non-allergic or alternative mediated sort of angioedema uh, without
0: any other features of anaphylaxis. So when these patients are presenting to the emergency department, what sort of tests do you think we should be considering? So for someone
1: presenting with rapidly developing symptoms that are quite clearly anaphylaxis, you wouldn't delay your treatment in order to do your investigations, but within that window of time, you'd be expecting to... Obtain the blood gas, which may provide you some information on their oxygenation, certainly if they've got significant respiratory compromise. And serum lab tests, which should include a mast cell tryptase done as soon as possible on arrival. And actually a second one should be done one to two hours later, and ideally within four hours of the onset of symptoms. So that's one of the most important tests to help with the assistance of diagnosis of anaphylaxis.
0: And and these are really useful for the immunologists when it comes to follow-up, so in terms of observation before they go home and follow-up plans, how, how do we go about that? And everyone that's presenting
1: to the emergency department with anaphylaxis should be referred to an immunologist, and that would include those with angioedema, which is either suspected or unknown etiology. It's worth saying that these patients should also be sent home with an EpiPen where you're concerned about anaphylaxis, and this can be obviously arranged through the pharmacist. And patients will need enough information to support that discharge as well about what anaphylaxis is, which can be even more concerning if you don't actually know what the trigger is. So in that event, you obviously want to make sure patients are aware of signs and symptoms to look out for in the future, how to use that EpiPen, and obviously then to come to hospital if they have had an anaphylactic reaction.
0: Mm And they need to be showing some improvement for a good 6 to 12 hours before we'd be happy to discharge them. Yeah, so actually,
1: yeah, there are some ambulatory cares that will monitor and observe patients for a period of time, assuming they've had obviously good response to the treatment they've had. So the minimum period of observation is, is, as you say, 6 to 12 hours, which ideally would be done in an outpatient setting. I think we used to worry a lot more about biphasic reactions, which are still not well understood. but happen in only 20% of cases so actually it's quite uncommon. Again this is something that we should just educate patients about as and when they are discharged certainly if it's within that 6 to 12 hour window if they were to start developing symptoms again which are occurring without exposure to a trigger that this might be a sign of that and therefore obviously to return to the emergency department.
0: Okay well thank you very much for talking to us today. Thank you.
1: I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. See you next time.